0: Rebel Force Radio presents Bounty hunting is a complicated profession This is the RFR
1: Mandalorian After Show
2: right, episode 4, the halfway point I can't believe that we're halfway through this series I... I'm not ready. But this was a great example of how I was wrong. It does not need to be an hour-long show every week. What was it, 39 minutes this week? And it felt like a two-hour movie. And not in a bad way, not like in a in a tremendous way. They pack so much in, and they leave, well, they, they, they leave all the extra stuff you know some of the stuff we get mad at uh during the clone wars and rebels or the whole series of resistance i'm kidding i'm kidding but they leave all that stuff out and so all we're left with is the best and uh that's what we're talking about here rfrs Mandalorian After Show. So glad that you could be with us to talk about this uh, episode uh, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, of course, the daughter of uh, celebrated actor Opie Cunningham slash... uh, Oh, oh, it just left me. It just left me. Not Opie Cunningham. Richie Cunningham. Opie Opie Griffin. Griffin. I conflated conflated Opie and Richie. How did... Wasn't there an old SNL when Eddie Murphy called him Opie Cunningham? I think think that's what I might be remembering. Yeah. Anyway. I've heard that that before. Opie Cunningham. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, well, great to have you with us. And um, we've got, of course, um, uh, not just myself here, but my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack as well. About to break bad on episode four.
0: Hey, Jason. Hey, Mando Maniacs. Is that where we're going with now, Mandomaniacs? Maniacs? That's, that's for sure. That's yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. So uh, looking at uh, the fourth chapter of season one here, The Sanctuary, definitely uh, lots of hints of uh, Kurosawa and the Seven Samurai. And, of course, uh, everyone Absolutely. knows all the uh, adaptations of that story that's happened over the years, probably most famously here in the States. The Three Amigos. No, no, I'm, kidding. I'm, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the Magnificent Seven, of course. And, you know, to a degree, absolutely, uh, the Three Amigos. But that situation where you have the warriors teach the villagers how to defend their village against an outside threat. Uh, we've seen it time and time again since uh, the early 60s with Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. And uh, we saw it uh, in... Season four of the Clone Wars. Oh, we saw a and lot now of we're seeing Clone
3: Wars. It.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that. specifically. As a matter of fact, if you look at that episode of the Clone Wars, which, gosh, I meant to watch before we started the show. But I think it's called Bounty Hunters or uh, something like that. It was from the, the, the fourth season. And uh, you would have uh, Embo and uh, that whole gang helping a uh, small village. Uh, and, oh, of course, the Jedi, were also there, Obi-Wan and Anakin, and they were teaching the villagers how to fight with sticks, you know, long, sharpened sticks. And uh, I, I definitely got shades of that episode while watching uh, The Mandalorian. But, of course, there you go. There's the Motley crew right there. And, um, and uh, it, was, uh, it was being said loud and proud in this episode, you know, the, the Akira Kurosawa
2: influence on proud display. All right, well, um, we actually have something unique for the Mandalorian after show here we 've got someone else in the palatial Rebel Force Radio Studios in northeast ohio uh, my one of my oldest friends and i 've known him for a long time too uh, he 's also a podcaster and uh, he 's been on he actually he was back on um, some of our old roundtables for the Clone Wars. Uh, He's a good pal of mine, Mr. John Pica, joining us. Uh, He's up visiting from Nashville, and I thought, well, you know what? Since he's in town, and he is a trained podcaster and a lifelong Star Wars fan, um, why not have him on? So, John, welcome to Rebel Force Radio's Mandalorian After Show, buddy.
4: Awesome, awesome to be here. And uh, everything I know about podcasting, I learned from listening to Rebel Force Radio. As a matter of fact, my son is taking notes tonight so that we can jip <laughs> your techniques even more.
2: Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, we're uh, we've ended some a few bells and whistles since you were yes, in the old have. studio, and so we're, we're we're learning. You know, what I like that because it's it's you're never too old to learn new stuff, and uh, you know, as the technology changes and as people's habits online change. I think it's important that we kind of uh, go along with it. But you know what? The fact is that what we do here each and every week on Rebel Force Radio and the Mandalorian After Show is no exception, uh, hasn't changed. It's still, uh, I think, the the best of the best when it comes to uh, analysis of the whole galaxy far, far away and what people are talking about. And what an honor to be talking about this series uh, it continues to get better and better and better. Let me go ahead and give you uh, the tale of the tape. As I said, uh, this is chapter four. The episode is called Sanctuary. Bryce Dallas Howard was the director, written by John Favreau in the original air date, November 29th, 2019. And um, th- this really um, starts to peel back um, figuratively and literally on the mask of the Mandalorian, uh, Jimmy and we learn a couple of things, but I want to get to what I figure is the the potential bombshell here, and that is that we learn, depending on how you read the dialogue, that the Mandalorian, the titular character, as I like to call him, in the <laughs> Mandalorian, um, may not actually be a Mandalorian.
0: Right, right. Because there's been a lot of speculation. About that. And obviously, when we saw the flashback scenes in earlier episodes, we saw a culture that was under attack by separatist forces and battle droids. But they sure didn't appear to be Mandalorian, this village that was under attack. But a bunker was found. The child was placed into the bunker and pulled out by a group or an individual Mandalorian and brought to safety. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's the truth right there is that with the way this culture has evolved or devolved, depending on how you look at it, um, they, I think are, are more interested in, keeping their traditions alive as opposed to the purity of the blood of the individual who happens upon their culture. It's more than just like a race or a planet or a civilization. It's more of a lifestyle that's been now driven underground and being pretty much kept alive. I believe by shoelaces, you know, I mean, it's, um, whatever that means. How does something get kept alive by shoelaces?
2: Well, you think like like uh, just kept alive on string, you know, by by strings and popsicles. Yeah, sticks right, and right. Duct tape right. and um, oh, well, by the way, I so you know I don't want to kill the conversation or anything, but I,
0: I just want to show you uh, my phone did just make a noise. I don't know if you heard it, but it is from uh, as you can see. I don't know if you can see, but it's from Wendy, and uh, I, I know she must have Disney Plus on right now because if you can see right there. It says Baby Yoda, with a bunch of exclamation. But <laughs> she's
2: just discovering this.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, think I think she's up there binging the four episodes right now. When she heard oh. I was coming down, she knew I was excited to talk about this episode, and she said, "All right, enough is enough. I'm going to get on board with this show." And uh, she's just been now introduced to Baby Yoda. So by the time I get. Into our family room after this recording is completed, she will probably just be a puddle on the floor.
2: Yeah, I would imagine so. With, I mean, no one can resist. That's what makes this series so brilliant: is the fact that, uh, you know, there, there's. It's not that it's uh, formulaic. It doesn't seem forced. It doesn't seem contrived. But the fact that you've got this, this warrior. That has taken this child under his wing. I mean, it, it's, it it just creates this dynamic where, you know, guys like it, girls like it, little girls like it, little boys like it. I mean, it's just that something there's something about that story. And Hard and old curmudgeons like us know. like it. <coughs> right, for sure. Um, But uh, getting back to this idea about is he a Mandalorian or is he not? Um, hey, John, I'm going to throw one over to you. Does sure. it matter if he is a Mandalorian or isn't?
4: I, I don't think it does matter. But, you know, I, I kind of read that, that line of dialogue as we were watching it again tonight. And, you know, it was really written very cleverly because it was very ambiguous. You could interpret that as... Yes, uh he was not a Mandalorian and was adopted by the Mandalorians. Or what we've seen from the culture of Mandalore through Clone Wars and Rebels, it's there's almost a caste system. You know, you have these clans and these uh you know these different political structures. And maybe his reference was when he referred to the Mandalorians, was you know, maybe The Death Watch or, you know, maybe that one of those warrior clans. And he was part of uh, a different cast or a different clan that, you know, wasn't part of that warrior kind of uh, kind of structure. you know, you could interpret it that way. I thought.
2: Yeah, that there's something deeper there that 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 it's not that he's not Mandalorian or it's. It's that he wasn't inducted into that gang or that tribe. In fact, the official, uh, well, I shouldn't say official, but the Wikipedia entry, Wikipedia rather, entry talks about the fact that he reveals that he wasn't always a Mandalorian and that the tribe took him in after the death of his parents. So could be something there.
4: Well, and it changes what we know or think about Django and Boba Fett, right? Because it's we've always been told that Jango Fett wasn't really a Mandalorian.
0: Well, Yeah, yeah but you're, you're looking at a different point on the timeline, I think. I think right now you're dealing with a culture that's opened its doors to uh, those who aren't pure of blood of Mandalorian just to keep their culture alive. To survive. That, yeah, that's kind of how I interpret it. I think that back in the Clone Wars era, there was... Um, You know, a a lot of barriers in place as far as what and a lot of discrimination in as, as far as like what is a Mandalorian and what isn't a Mandalorian. I think that was all very much open for debate even back in the era of the Clone Wars. But one thing that was solid was that to be a Mandalore, you need to be from the Mandalorian system. That was not always the case. But as far as the Clone Wars, um continuity and canon goes uh that i think that is the case i think you had to be pure blood mandalorian so so i have a question about that then um you know
4: i don't remember in clone wars or in rebels was there a prohibition against the mandalorians removing their helmet.
0: Not that it, I'm no, no, because Previsla was constantly removing his yeah. as a member of the Death Watch. No, it wasn't religious like that. So I mean, wonder, it was like as religious, like the Klingons, right? That's kind of how I always compared the two, as far as being warrior races. What is a warrior race? Why are they, why are they classified as that? Is it because they're under constant threat and conflict, or is it because they fight because? That's part of their faith, you know. They it it just seems like um, a crazy thing to to want to have in your life is is war. But the Klingons definitely thrive on that sort of conflict. And I always kind of thought that's how the Mandalorians, the old school Death Watch Mandalorians, were. Then you have Satine and her pacifist movement, which was. Her, you know, her growing movement to replace all of that and start fresh, because where did it lead them? Their planet was completely barren and blown away because of all the war that took place there, you know? So I, I wonder
4: this is just a theory. So if we're at this point in time where the Mandalorians are allowing non pure blood. Races to be adopted into the clans and into the tribes. What if the reason they can't remove their helmets is because
0: that would be revealed? Oh yeah, right, right. You, because maybe you would, there are some who don't who don't agree with that, and uh, yeah, so they have to keep that all under wraps, or or
4: just they want to they want to maintain the the illusion of this pure race. And, you know, once word gets out, Oh, Hey, you know, a, a Trandoshan is wearing Mandalore armor, right? It, it's all over.
2: Right. I really like that theory. I, I gotta say, I think that is very interesting because when you think about, um, how their traditions changed and you've got, uh, they talk about the purge. We know that this is a, a culture that was nearly wiped out. They are existing in the shadows, in the underground. They've got to increase their numbers, and if they can't do it biologically, then they're going to have to do it in terms of recruitment and, um, you know, other other uh, other ways. And. Well- that makes a very convenient way for people to not know uh, to really hide their numbers or to make their numbers seem a lot larger than they are. Now, here's another thing that I'll throw out is that we also know that at least on the planet, by the way, what's the name of that planet where, uh, where Mando is from? Mm, something with an S. Oh, wh- where he's from? Well, not where he's from, where we first meet him, where, where, the, where the clan is, the Mando clan is. I, th- I heard the, the armory. will have it. It was like RV,
0: Arva 4 or Arva 5 or something like that. This I, I is Arva 5! Yes! Uh. <laughs> I don't know why that's so
2: funny, but it Arva is. Arva 6 exploded. <laughs> All right. Breaking down with the, uh, with the track. Um, but anyway, on that planet, um, we know that they, up until the big battle, that they had with the, uh, with the Guild, they were trying to only go out one at a time. So they were trying to hide their numbers in that mm-hmm. sense, or at least that's yeah. what I took away from it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, and that wasn't really made clear either. Um, I did like, in previous episodes, and, and this kind of plays into my theory, when when the Mandalorian you know, says, my weapons are my religion, maybe the Mandalorian way has really become more of a religion and less of a political or cultural movement. That's what
2: I think. That's what yes. I was just gonna say, that's what Jimmy Mack has been saying yeah. since the first episode. He's that I won't speak for you, Jim, but that you keep going back to this seems like a religious thing. Yeah, it seems definitely
0: more based in faith and um, I think he refers preservation. To his religion. Doesn't he say pre- something
2: about his religion
0: in one of the well, episodes? He says he says his weapons That's right he needs to have his weapons because that's part of his religion. So the faith is being extended toward the warrior background of the, the Mandalorian. That's what's the most important thing to these people is keeping that alive in the wake of being completely wiped out, which they were by the Imperials primarily. Yeah. That's what, that's what we're led to believe by rebels and, um uh, and ex, ex ex you know, things that were said on this show.
2: Exposition. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> Which I couldn't spit out exposition. Well, but so that was probably one of the, the biggest reveals in this particular episode. You, you, you also <laughs> get the sense, um, that, and I'm getting that echo too. There's people complaining about that. That's really picking me up. Can you, um, yeah, yeah maybe that. Maybe that a little bit, just kind of. Does that, that little help? Little yeah, yeah. yeah it just get a Actually, good. That does help.
0: Get a good solid grip on that mic too, because we're hearing a little clicking from that. Jason has
2: bad echoes, 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 echoes. Says Ryan Bullock. Well, all right, mm-hmm. we're, we're working on it.
0: I, I do not hear that.
2: Yeah, I don't I, hear it either. I don't hear it either. But you know what? Since John started to um, so fondly, here he is. He's 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 gently cupping the uh, the mic. Um, that that seems to have has, has helped. Well, okay, can't you yeah. set that? Isn't that mic directional? Can't you
0: adjust that? So, do we have a mic stand? 360. What? What do, you, what, 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 do you, what do you guys think this is? What do, you th- what, do you th- what do you think this
4: place is? Is this a professional outlet? <laughs> Outfit? Outfit? First day
2: with my new tongue. All right. Um, the other thing that this episode really paints very well for us is that the prospects that, Mando and Yaddle or baby Yoda whatever you want to call him the child have of ever really finding any kind of peace are Really, really slim to none, and I've got a question. Hopefully, uh, maybe Jim, you've thought about this, or someone on our chat can uh, can or someone that, on the on the can give us a call. By the way, let's <laughs> throw the number up there. We got the number eight seven zero eight eight six six one seven three seven. That's seven zero eight eight six six one seven three seven. We'll be taking calls in uh, just a few minutes. A question that I have is about the the way the tracking fobs work. Yeah. Anybody have any idea how these things work? Like, all of a sudden, they, they show up right where they should be, and they got the little tracking fobs. So, like, who has the tracking fobs? Um, obviously, bounty hunters have them, but how do they work? How do they know what to track, for one? Yeah, yeah. A lot and, of people have if been If they all wondering. have them, then how hard can it be? I could do it. Right, I've got right. Two what do you guests.
0: need a bounty hunter for? You know, it's it, this is like downloading an app and playing Pokemon Go, for crying out loud. Right. <laughs> I mean, really, when you think of it, they're around here somewhere. You know, you keep looking, and then boom, you find them. It's Pokemon Go. That's what's happening. It's a bloodhound droid.
4: That's what it is. It's a bloodhound droid is what those tracking fobs are.
2: So you think that they have the ability to sniff out?
0: Yeah. Sniff out DNA. DNA. But how do they keep
2: these records of
0: DNA? Is this the an empire. imperial thing? This is the imp- the empire where Possibly. all citizens, or, or, well, to, uh, like like a bloodhound does. You, you've got a piece of
4: fabric like someone's clothes. You put it under their nose, and they can track that bugger thousands of miles. That, that that's the only explanation I have, unless they're implanting chips in everyone when they're born. Yes.
0: Yes, that seems more likely.
2: Well, that's yeah. I mean, we are talking about a you know totalitarian regime that reigned for decades, and you could imagine them doing something like that. But I just that would be a question I would have for Filoni or Favre. I'm sure they've got a good answer for it. But I'm
4: curious. Well, but how those but but work. if if that were the case, then Luke would have had a tracking chip, and Vader could have found him in a yes,
0: well, yes, that's true.
4: That's true. This may be new technology that has been developed from a need. Maybe we'll find out like the, the need arose after the fall of the empire to track down war criminals, and some enterprising droid builder came up with this technology to sniff out people.
0: Obi Wan, Nobi, Yoda, Luke, all the Jedi hiding out. They would have been easily found. That's right. As a matter of fact, I mean, that goes for just about any fugitive. That goes for the entire Rebel Alliance. That's right. They're on the planet Hoth. How do you know? Well, all these fobs are beeping like crazy. You know, it's uh, that really does need to be defined a little bit. So if anyone out there is listening right now and you think you've got a grasp on what this Battle Hunter fob technology is all about in uh the mandalorian give us a call right now
2: 708-866-1-R-F-R there's so much good stuff on this chat tonight (laughs) i I know there's a lot of good stuff (laughs) i i really want to i want to i joey beans 81 uh dude you 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 win the night with your (laughs) your comment um it's a family show or i would i would uh or i would share it but it's funny that's Should just, I say it? Should I say it? Of course you can. I see it. All right. That's funny. All right. Joey Beans says, "My wife <laughs> my wife said sex or your Star Wars." So I chose Star Wars podcasting. So clearly <laughs> Joey Beans Joey Beans was propositioned tonight.
4: Yeah. Well, uh welcome to a decade long celibate life <laughs> there. Uh that that you have just sacrificed uh the next 10 years of your sex life right there.
2: Oh. Uh, um Oh, wait a minute. Here, I got to throw this out to uh, Jake Vossen. So Jake says, no, Luke would not have had a tracking chip. He was born on a ship secretly and was unregistered. So maybe he only works with registered. Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. those who choose to obey the law. Oh, oh, Uh and and, um, the the consensus on the chat is that uh, Joey Beans chose poorly.
0: Oh, (laughs) well, we got to make it worth his while. So (laughs) you'll get off listening to us, Joey. Sometimes Star Wars can be orgasmic.
2: Yeah. 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 This is true. This is true. Mandalorian gets me close. Um, But here's something that they mentioned. uh, Again, going back to the chat, they threw this out there. And I thought about this when I was watching the episode is Mando takes his helmet off as he's watching the kids play. Yes, Yes, he does. And so... What was that was I mean was he just so confident that their little game with uh baby Yoda was uh you know it just had their attention to the extent that they weren't going to look up through the window and yeah and see the man peering out there? Yeah,
4: yeah it was I, uh I think he wanted to be seen, ooh. but he didn't want it to be a conscious choice. He was putting himself in a situation. Where if it happened accidentally, he couldn't be the one responsible for removing his helmet. I you think know,
0: it's he was just hungry and he wanted to eat, is what I think. Well, that too. And they were but, showing you know, us just you know, just to keep the story moving along. They were showing us that yeah, the guy does take his helmet off. Here, we'll show yeah. you he's taking off. I mean, they're they're building up toward the moment when he does remove the helmet. Do you think? that will eventually see a series featuring a Mandalorian who goes primarily helmetless throughout the series, because he does say, once you take it off and someone sees you, it's over. That is the way. And, uh, what would be the point of doing it? If he's not going to be 100% in on the faith of keeping the helmet
2: on at all times. Well, you know, I think that I think what's going to happen is that part of what, The Mandalorian's contribution to the greater Mandalorian culture might be is perhaps some sort of reformation in in the faith that it might be out of necessity that they might have to, they might be put in a situation where they have to choose sides. Are they going to be on the side? Are they going to be on their own side and Mm -hmm. face all this alone? Or are they going to, you know, perhaps join up with the New Republic? Perhaps, who knows? I like what we, you're saying. I, I like know. the
0: idea of, of not only the character going through evolution and development and a journey on his own, but he takes the entire Mandalorian culture along with him. And they all emerge from this series in a very different place. That could happen. For coolness factor, though, I want him to keep the helmet on. Yeah. Yes.
4: But he's already defied the code of the guild.
0: Right, he, Has he? he's already gone out on his well, own. Well, that's but that's the guild. I don't right. think the guild and the Mandalorians necessarily walk together hand in hand. No, but what I'm saying is he, he's
4: already shown a penchant for mm. taking his own path when it
0: when it's right. required. He's a rule breaker. Yes. Yeah, he's not afraid to. Uh, yeah. Do what he needs. He thinks needs to be done.
2: What do you guys think would be the, you know, and the armorer, I think, does she have a proper name, by the way, the armorer, or do they just call her the armorer? That's just what she's known as now. Um, I think eventually who seems sort of like the, 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 she's the closest thing we have to sort of a high priestess or, Mm, you know, some sort of, of leader. What do you think she would have made of the choice he made to protect the child and at the same time kind of uh, betray his honor as a member of the guild or his chosen profession
4: or i i think we got the answer in episode 3 they they, they sent the 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 whole mando army that was there to protect him and the child
0: was it all but was it more about protecting him Or was it about protecting both of them? Well, but if you're protecting him, you're protecting his choices. Okay. Yeah. Well, they certainly did not abandon him. And, uh, you know, I thought the end game for the Mandalorian, and it still may be, is to eventually bring the child in to the Mandalorian culture and put a helmet on over those floppy ears of his. And The way this is. Yeah. Bring him in. (laughs) bring him into the tribe
5: spoken have i
4: aren't you a little bit short to be a mandalorian
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh well all right we're gonna start opening it up to some calls here um and let's start with uh how about uh hey why not joel in chicago hey uh joel in chicago you're on with rebel force radio hello hello
6: Hi, how are you guys doing? Good, great. What's
2: what's on your mind? Episode four, chapter four.
6: Yeah, yeah, chapter four, episode four. Uh, The start of the episode uh, was really weird. It looked like orcs from Lord of the Rings just invading this small
1: little farming village. Did anybody else get that vibe? I did. I I certainly did. Lord of the Star Wars, Lord of the Rings.
0: I most certainly did. As a matter of fact, last night I was watching Return of the King. And uh, so that was very fresh on my mind as I, I actually did stay up till uh, a little after 2 a.m. to catch the launch of this particular episode of The Mandalorian. And uh, I haven't done that before. It was kind of fun hitting refresh until. It showed up on Disney+. Plus. That was cool. But uh, back to your point, I was definitely getting Lord of the Rings vibes from that particular episode, and I don't know about Bryce Dallas Harper, or <laughs> Harper, Howard. I don't know about Bryce, and I don't know about John Favreau, but I do know that Dave Filoni is a huge Lord of the Rings fan. His wife, Anne, is a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And so I could definitely see that having some sort of influence into the way the Clatuanian raiders then uh, came across those villagers. It it definitely felt like the orcs were attacking.
4: Well, you know, I I, uh, compared it, uh, as we were watching it, the village to uh, Willow. And Ah. of course, with Bryce Dallas Howard directing it made perfect sense, you know. She grew up with oh, Willow okay. and and her father directing that. That that was the feeling mm. I got. But
0: good, good one. I could see that.
2: Yeah. In fact, the, uh, there
4: were. You guys catch were, the Lothcat?
0: Oh yeah, oh, the yeah.
4: yeah, that was awesome.
0: The uh, Lothcat, Lothcat, whatever it is. first time to see him live action. Of course, the uh, the merch is all over Galaxy's Edge these days. So if you're looking for Mando merch, you can get a loaf cat at least. <laughs> that's that's all over the place. But now uh, I got to be honest with you, not my favorite creature in the Star Wars universe, but uh, still pretty cool to see in live action. That's for
2: sure. Yeah, I agree. By the way, uh, for those of you keeping score, this is the the like the last time we saw Klaatu or Clatoonian. No, that uh, is uh, not Star Wars. Right? No, 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 no. What that's did not, we, when did we? No, see, that's when a we that's, see, that's
0: a Niku. That's a Niku. The, you need to get a, a picture of Barada. From uh, Jabba's Sail Barge. No, That's this, this, is this is Claw This is Claw Oh, yeah, but he's not a Clatuinian. <laughs> the Clatuinian is actually Barada from Jabba's Sail Barge. Well, that makes it very <laughs> confusing, doesn't it? It sure does, doesn't it? But yeah, the Clatuinian is actually Barada. He has more of a dog face, like a dog crossed with a reptile.
2: So uh, I thought they were Trandoshans. I got to be honest. I thought they, they all look like Trandoshans to me now. Now well, the <laughs> Trandoshans, we <laughs> did see Trandoshans like Trandoshan. I know.
0: In chapter two, we uh, well, and there
4: were some Trandoshans, Trandoshans in uh, in uh, this episode too, weren't there? Or am yeah. I imagining? No, it was in no, the recap. It, it was, was all
0: Clatuinians. All Clatuinians. Yeah. Uh, we we caught some uh, Twi'leks. Yeah, in the uh, in the uh, village there. When they went to go get their bone broth or whatever they were eating. And um, what else did we see? Did we see any other familiar alien species in this one? I don't think so. But did catch some Clatuwinians and did catch some Twi'leks. There he is. Yeah. There's good old yes. Now, Why are there two Jimmy Macs? Check this out. It's like a very Brady bunch. Hey, here's a story. Hey, look, I can. like. <laughs> Synchronized me, you know. We could put on a little show here,
2: <laughs> jazz hands and everything. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, anyway, so there's there's parada I didn't realize that that was uh that was a Clutonian, and that Clatu was actually what a Nictonian. Yeah, yeah, they're mixing it up, yeah. aren't
0: they? Yeah, yeah
4: they there really were three are... of them: Barada.
0: Klaatu and, and Nikto,
4: right? And Nickto, right,
0: yeah. right. Term, terminology from the
2: day the Earth stood still. Yeah, classic sixties
0: sci-fi film.
2: Uh, now wait a minute, we're I'm being we're being very rude to our caller from uh, Joel from Chicago. So, Joel, oh, Joel, uh, sorry, we still got you on the line. Um, we went down sort of a rabbit trail there, but what else you got for us?
6: The uh, the show in in general uh, has a lot of video game vibes to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you uh, you have armor level ups. You have side quests. You have main story quests. You even have a little pet or follower. And now on this episode, we got our first boss fight. Really, really cool boss fight in the middle of the night. I watched it completely in the dark, so the lighting was just spectacular.
0: It was awesome. To have the scout tr- the, the, the scout walker. The ATSC that we've known since 1983, have it emerge the way it does in this series, almost as if it's a character unto itself. It was almost alive in the way that it came in and attacked. And then, of course, the, grow, the glowing red cockpit windows added to that. Oh, and the man. darkness of the night. There was
2: just... How did, they take, quality how did they take something, you know, that was visually, Jim, so familiar to us yeah. as fans and make it so terrifying? You know, yeah, like, we'd, we'd seen this thing tackled by Ewoks before. And now all of a sudden it's got yeah. glowing red eyes in it. It, right. it became a monster. It became a real monster. I mean, back in the day, we used to call it the chicken walker. It sure the heck ain't no
0: chicken in this episode. It's, it's <laughs> a terrifying metallic beast. Attacking wow. a village of meek people who, I mean, it was just, it was just ridiculously, it just was dripping with this, this great flavor. And, yes. uh, and I, I just loved it. The, the fact that they could turn this
2: mechanic thing into an actual character itself
0: almost. It but doesn't this, doesn't this
2: whole episode when you, when you, when you step back from it and you, you think about village under siege, um, and and the imagery of the big uh, of the, of the ATST coming down, this is just so felony isn't it? I mean, this, when I when I watch an episode like this, I immediately think about episodes of the Clone Wars where we saw the Jedi come. And try, you know, through Anakin's attachments to try and find a way to help the inhabitants of planet X, Y, Z. Jim, you mentioned the one particular episode. I just remember that being a recurring theme throughout Clone Wars is Anakin's attachments on, you know, whether it be like, do you remember the monkey people? And they were like, they were, they were oh, the Lermans. The, Lerman. the Lerman. It just it's just replete with this. And um, so it was just like. It was a good feeling that I had, like, that, uh, you know, this this feels like a Dave Filoni series. Well, it certainly Uh, feels like
0: stuff being put together by people who have had an idea of things they've always wanted to see happen in live-action Star Wars. And now that they have the ability to do it, they're doing it. And uh, that I find to be very exciting.
2: It's awesome. All right. Hey, Joel, thanks for... uh, Yeah, we
7: we wanted to... uh... (laughs) We we wanted to do some and uh, poke some fun at, at George's idea of a
6: macrobiotic microbiotic world, and so we started the episode with these
7: blue shrimps swimming around in the water. Oh,
0: oh is that what you think that, that, was?
2: Oh, I, that was? Oh, I don't I know. <laughs> 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 All right, thanks, Joel. Uh, we got um, joining us from Hawaii. We got another old buddy here. Uh, we got uh, Max Sparky on. Aloha, Max Sparky.
4: Hey. Aloha.
2: Aloha. Well, you know, Max Sparky's no slouch when it comes to technology. I need to fly him out here to the uh, Placial Studios and get rid of this echo people are complaining about. <laughs> <laughs> Is it still there? No,
0: yeah, I, man, I, was, it was I, I It was bugging me. I think he said out. he cleared it up. Did it clear well, up there? It, it
6: helps. Uh, if, if, Sparky? Yeah, it's cleared up now. All
2: okay. right, good. All right.
6: Yeah, I've been having a great time. I've been swimming in the ocean, jumping out of airplanes, but. All I could think about was when Friday comes, I'm going to watch my Mando. And yeah. Great. yeah. Did
0: you sit there on the beach watching it?
6: Yeah. Nice.
0: No, no, man. I went to the
6: hotel room, shut the shut the blinds. I wanted the perfect viewing experience. It was awesome.
0: Oh, yeah. There was blackout was curtains episode, in the
6: hotel. Go on. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. But, but I was thinking you know, the first three episodes were like a rocket ship. It was like every episode. There's so much going on. This episode felt like they dialed it back a little bit. We got a little more character development. I think that's good.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm noticing uh, from the chat and just a few things, just the current of the internet. I, I hope that this, this isn't a tide turning, but there was there seemed to be some disappointment with this episode. But I'm not ready to get on board with that. I, I like the fact that to your no, point, neither. Dave, that it neither. that it slowed down a little bit and. We got to know the Mandalorian a little bit. We got to meet the, the great uh, Cara Dune, who is a character that uh, I love. Uh, John, by the way, is making a prediction here that she's going to be cast as She-Hulk in the MCU. Yeah,
5: already-
4: I, I, think, yeah I think that actress we have seen our She-Hulk for the MCU. Um, she's certainly got the right. acting chops and the physical prowess. She's got the guns. And, um, yeah. Yeah, i think she's the one and uh with feige coming on board to the star wars universe i mean why not
6: mm. well i'll tell you i never felt assured that that village was going to be okay i mean i've seen rogue one you know so you just <laughs> yeah you just didn't know that it was going to turn out okay and and the one thing they do it feels like so far every episode there's like an iconic Battle or something like you know Mando versus a Sandcrawler, and this one we got Mando versus H-E-S-T, and it was awesome. I yeah. mean, how many of us have wanted that since nineteen seventy seven? I mean, it's just how, like,
2: I and how many of us have it done it with our action figures, figures
4: over <laughs> the years? You know, well, you know yeah. the the ATST really it, it harkens back to you know that magnificent seven feeling in Magnificent Seven. It was the wagon with the gatling gun. Yeah, right. And and that's the role that the ATST filled. And um, yeah, it was it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. And to your point, Jason, they took something that lasers. Well, yeah, but you know those red eyes and the lasers, the the way they cast the ATST, Jason. To your point, um, it made it to me. it, It emphasized how effective. The Ewoks were as warriors because now we're seeing how badass the ATST really was. And here in episode six, they, they were able to take it out, multiple uh ATSDs.
2: Well, that's a really good point. I mean, because... Can I make uh, one of the... Yeah, go ahead, Dave.
6: <laughs> I say, one other observation. I can't say a long time because I got to go back in the ocean. But the... Um, <laughs> Rough uh, life. <laughs> I feel like the the whole Yoda... Mando relationship, it, it could have gone terribly. You know what I mean? It's like, if they didn't get it just right, this could have been really like corny or sappy or, or just like the chemistry between those two characters could have been terrible. And like that opening scene in this episode where, you know, they're like, he's pushing buttons. He's telling them not to push the buttons. It was not, it was not bad at all. It was great. And I feel like, you know, we live in this world lately of all these cynical star Wars fans, but nobody's like lining up for cynicism about this. And I feel like they really, you know, good on them. Cause I think they really took a risk putting something so cute in a show mm-hmm. called the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. They totally, they totally pull it off.
0: Yeah. Jason was making that point last week that they could have had fear that they may be unleashing another Jar Jar Binks on star Wars fandom. As far as a character that would get, a lot of negative reaction are we making something that's too yeah. kitty you know how we're how we're hard in old school fans like jimmy and jason gonna react to this i'm not gonna like this but no it's so cute if you, you if you don't have a heart then maybe you have a problem with baby yoda The Z- asset. but i'm gonna um,
6: say it right now if you don't like baby yoda you're not hooked up right man
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Got Screw loose somewhere. There might be some bigger issues in play. here. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I don't expect everyone in the world to uh, like something, even if it is super popular. You know, it's always everything's going to have its detractors. Everyone's going to have their hang ups about something. And, you know, that's well, what they were keeps, really uh, smart about cool. this. Yeah,
4: they were really smart about this. They They created a character and they created a circumstance that I think is relatable. To a cross generation, you know, for Jason and I, you know, having that child in the cockpit, you know, you remember those days, Jason, when you were driving along and you had to pull the kid closer to you, or maybe, uh, maybe it was a pet that you had to sit in your lap. And for the kids watching, that's relatable to them, you know, that yeah. parental relationship. Um, I think they just really keyed in onto a
2: universal uh, kind of ideal there. Yeah, there's, there's no question they they did it. And again, this is the guy that took the crazy idea of having giving Anakin Skywalker a a, a, a Padawan. This idea that was given to him by George Lucas. Oh, Anakin Skywalker has a Padawan, and it's a teenage girl. And uh, Jim, you and I were just reminiscing the other night about. You know, the way that Dave relayed to us, the way he reacted to that. He was like, no, he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> hey, he, Anakin doesn't have a Padawan. What are yeah, you talking he about? He was like, no, he does. He does. No, yeah. he doesn't, George. No, he does. <laughs> and and But Dave was the guy that made it work. And Dave, as you were saying, you know, this could have gone horribly wrong in the hands of, uh, you know, lesser uh, creative people. And But when you got Favreau and Filoni this uh, dream team. Now you add, uh, we were talking to, you know, to call them, you know, triple force, uh, earlier tonight, Feige, Favreau, Filoni. That's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, the fantastic yeah. three. Just
6: one last point. One last point. And I'll run off. Cause I know you got a lot of callers, but I just wanted to, to weigh in. Cause I love this show so much, but the, uh, you guys were kind of making fun of the lock camp, but I think that's the first animated character. Filoni created to show up in the series that I can think of at least. And I kind of dig that
2: I got to say. Oh, so this is the first original Filoni creation to show up in Mandalorian.
0: Might be. There's a crossover from the uh, animation.
2: Yeah. As far as I can think, I, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Well, Hey, Dave, Aloha. And thanks for taking the time out, uh, brother. And, uh, the best Daisy, and uh, enjoy the remaining time. And we'll catch you when you get back. Uh, yeah, to the mainland. Mm-hmm.
6: Just a few more days. I got. more days. I got to go back to work. But next Friday, I got another episode of Mando coming it. <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs>
2: it's all good. All right, brother. Thanks for calling in. Take care. All right. Take care. Be safe. Bye right. bye. All right, let's uh, let's check in with. Um, we've got. Uh, oh, I had to. We have to get this from T County, New Philly, Ohio, my own home state here. Who do we got? Hello, who you calling? What you calling about?
3: Hey, hey. Uh, The episode. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jimmy. Hello. Hey, uh, I'm going to see you guys here in a, in probably less than three weeks at the.
2: Oh, can't wait. The movie show I'm in, realistic. and then also
3: the Rise of Skywalker.
2: That's gonna be right. great. We're looking forward to it. Skywalker but, uh, rises in Ohio, December twentieth. Playhouse yeah. Square. You, 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 I got to do the plug now. You know, you, you Playhouse Square, yeah. PlayhouseSquare dot org. Get the tickets while they last. All right, All right. New Philly, go for it. Okay.
3: Uh, have you guys heard anything about uh, was her name? Omera's daughter. You know who Amara? That's the woman Winter, right. in South yeah. and Yeah. And. And also uh Jason do you know who that actress is
0: who you who is it who you that know was? I was watching that in um Julia, that, that kid looked familiar to me but <laughs> go on well well no the the,
3: the, the mother Jason right Julia or, Jones you know, plays uh, yeah from his Twilight movies
2: well yes she's uh, she's but, one of the wolves uh, here we go <laughs> she's one of the werewolves uh I can't remember her name. <laughs> Um, we Julie, covered it on our Julia phone. Jones,
0: but she played
3: Le- Leah. Yes. Leah, Lea, Lea. Yeah, yeah. I, you know but, what? Uh, I remember
2: Judy's eyes rolling uh, when I brought it up on <laughs> Rebel Force Radio a few Hey, you know, ago. it's what she did. Whatever. You're a fan of Twilight. God bless you. That, yeah. That's fine with me. I don't get, <laughs> uh, um, so let me get this straight. Um, the, of course, your little girl brought but it up. I'm asking you. about
3: the. Yeah, the little girl. Has it uh, been any connection to whether or not that little girl is Dasha from the force awakens, that woman with the rifle at the beginning of the force. Awakens. No,
0: I, I don't think that's that the
3: same not, actress no, it, and, and you know, it, well, it's why you bring that up. No, I mean the character because it's a little girl now. And then how many years later is the force no, awakens from this? So is that, that her grown up?
0: You know, that's interesting. That character did have a name and at one point i interviewed yeah. her on uh, wgn radio that actress but she was uh, saying her character's name was uh one that had already been to a, applied to a different character so it turned into this whole big controversial thing um <laughs> but i uh, uh-huh. it, you know there there is definitely physical s- similarities between um the way at least uh, Julia Jones looks and the way that actress looked that they showed in that brief shot at the beginning of yeah. the force awakens. So that could be, you know, I mean, if well, you, if, if in your head you want to make that the daughter well, and have her move from one daughter, crappy I mean, little yeah, a, village to another crappy little village, that's why. That's another-
3: <laughs> <laughs> why I didn't know the way she was like dressed then too. the color tones were kind of like the same garb that she had in force awakens was kind of <laughs> You know looking. what?
0: You're absolutely right about that. And boy, don't those villagers on The Mandalorian just love their aquamarine and teal. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> and taupe and taupe, too. Yeah. You know, teal, they aquamarine, taupe. They, uh, they all wear the same colors.
2: But you know, that, that, is formula very goes back, that formula goes back to the original Star Trek series, didn't it? When you would have inhabitants of a planet kind of all wearing the same thing. It's and you notice the
0: planet the Mandalorian kid comes from. They all wear the magenta. That's
2: right. Yeah, so, the maroon, the mauve, if you will.
4: Well, it, I thought it was interesting that uh, here we have more blue food in the Star Wars universe. We had blue milk. Now we got blue prawn and blue frogs. <laughs> there was a I, lot I of mean, blue going on. <laughs> Why is all their food blue?
0: <laughs> a good question. Well, you know, let's face it. There isn't really yeah. a large abundance of blue food on the planet Earth. So I think having blue edible consumption going on in the Star Wars universe just makes it more otherworldly. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's
4: true. And we had the blue fish man. I mean.
0: Oh, God. Horatio Sands, yeah. The best character in the history of Star Wars. I can't wait. He's going to get his own spin-off. Oh, I hope so. Mm-hmm. I so hope so. Called, yeah, it's well, going well, well, to be called Blue Balls, the Adventures of Horatio Sands. <laughs> you,
8: know,
0: you know what? That character would
4: be great hosting an in-galaxy Star Wars talk show.
2: Oh, my God. Wouldn't it be great? Can you imagine? That would be awesome.
0: He would be the Jimmy Fallon of the Star Wars yes. universe. Yes. <laughs> Which is interesting because Horatio Sands can't get himself booked on The Tonight Show to save his ass, right. but yet
2: he'd be hosting it right.
0: in the Star Wars universe. I actually do like Horatio a lot. I think he's funny.
2: Hey, New Philly, thanks for calling in. Um, what else we got here? How about, oh gosh, another Chicago guy. So all the Chica- Chicago calls. Let's yeah. take it. You know what? We'll it's take it. It's so cold is, outside.
0: Um, we got nothing else to do. But This
2: is uh, Sean oh. from Chicago. I, I think hey, he's upstairs in Jimmy's house.
0: Yeah. Hey, how's it going, guys? Great, great, Sean. Thanks for calling.
7: I'm uh, playing Lego Star Wars right now on my Wii. Oh, good for you. Listening to you guys talk. Great. Hey, um, I wanted to talk about aliens and planets. Uh, one thing I noticed is they don't really talk, say the names of the planets in this show.
2: Boy, they don't, do they? Well, they well, sure no, they they do. did, though. You
0: just kind of oh. go somewhere. Oh, uh, no, they did. They did in this yeah. one.
2: When he was, was flying towards it, he was in Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But no, you're right; they didn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, that we don't even know what off-world planet the uh, off-world Jawa lives on.
7: <laughs> you know, he's just yeah. I, I was sure it was Tatooine. It looked like Tatooine, but it. I guess it wasn't. Oh, by the um, way,
2: we've got we've got yeah, Jawas yeah, now, know, and we've got Jawas, and now ATSTs that go red-eyed every time they go off-world. What's going on? What's with that?
8: Yeah,
4: it's uh, it's say, uh, um, setting the uh, scene for. Uh, C3PO in yeah, uh right. Rise of Skywalker. Uh, you got to get the red, red in there. Eyes. Get yeah, everyone was, used to red eyes.
7: Yeah. <laughs> I'm remembering though in in a new hope, uh, you didn't I don't think they ever say Tatooine once in a new hope. Uh, or, uh, or, or or Yavin do they ever say Never Yavin? Say, Yavin. say Yavin? They do. Like they a lot do. Of what? Oh, they do.
2: Yes, they, oh, do. Yavin, they right. do. They, they do that. Yeah. yeah,
7: yeah. But
0: Tatooine.
7: Yeah, and then by Empire, they're, they're saying most of the planet names. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, no, but I, I
8: Tatooine's in the I
2: crawler,
7: it, isn't it? It kind of makes sense. Is Tatooine it in the is. crawler? It is. Oh, maybe, maybe. The yeah, crawler. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking maybe there's some OT precedent for that, just not saying planet names, just kind of throwing you in the middle the fans, of it. So.
9: No,
2: I think your point is is good, Sean, because the fans are the ones, we're the ones that make a big deal out of planet names and things like that. To the writers, yeah, yeah, I, you know, well, it's our, just, it's, it's, you might as well call they, it not this, far you like, know? So it's like, not Tatooine. Yeah. In Rogue
7: One, they would say, they would put up the name of the planet, which seemed a little too far, you know, where I'd say, all right now <laughs> yeah, on this planet, it just, it didn't really fit. Um, one other thing I want to talk about is the Jawas. I, I really like to think Jawas are native to Tatooine. So it really kind of freaked me out when they've got a sand crawler on a different planet. Um, so I came up with a headcanon in theory to explain it. I think oh, the Jawas hear. they ran out of space on tattooing. I think they they didn't have enough junk and they were fighting over junk. So you, I can see them just like renting a big ship uh, that that's big enough to drive their sandcrawler on and just like bring us somewhere else. So that's well, my theory that you know
0: it, it, all, there certainly were a lot of Jawas hanging around.
7: And,
0: there certainly were a lot of Jawas hanging around the Moss Isley spaceport. And uh, you'd have to yeah. imagine, you know, they they sell their scrap, they uh, they make their money, and uh, sure, the, the the idea that a Jawa purchased his way off world is, is not far a stretch at all, especially considering the fact that it seems like a lot of normal people can speak Jawa- Jawaese and understand what those little guys yeah, are saying.
7: Yeah.
0: I have to say, maybe they uh, maybe their sand
7: crawlers can fly in space.
0: <laughs> right right they got wings um that would be neat um but
2: uh, they just can't build up enough speed to take off the runway no matter um, no, no matter what it would look more aerodynamic than leia flying across to in her space
0: so uh you know i have to say now we're four episodes in we're halfway through the first season of the Mandalorian. And the thing that keeps coming back into my head when I think about this series is the negotiation scene with Queel, the Mandalorian and the Jawas. I really I mean, and mm. the Jawa Sandcrawler pursuit and all of that stuff that to me is, yeah, yeah, is that was fun. pretty high as far as uh, a favorite highlight of the first half of season four.
7: Yeah, I mean they were a big part of the first movie so it's great to have them back. Yes. Um, I feel like
2: I feel yeah, no, like that, that was and, very... and we get
0: them back we get them back without pandering um by having them say utini every 3 seconds. That's yeah. refreshing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, they, there's not been a single utini uttered and I find that to be very <laughs> refreshing because that phrase has come yeah, to yeah, kind yeah. of you know, it's come to identify the Jawa. Like that's all they do is walk around saying Utini all the time. I'm sorry, Jason. I just wanted to spit that's something Lovely. I've been wanting to say for the last couple of
2: weeks. <laughs> I'm glad you got it off your chest. And oh, I, I, I got yeah.
0: it off my chest. I feel so much better now.
2: <laughs> Sean, anything else you want to get off your yeah. chest here?
7: Yeah, I guess I want to talk about this episode. Do you think that ATSD is supposed to be a, a uh, have a like a robot brain? The way they, they
2: Yeah, but the it, the it seemed like it, it whether or not there was an actual driver or drivers in there, yeah, I we assumed never saw that a there
7: shadow or a person.
2: No, I assumed there were drivers in there. Um, I did too. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't go the route of that it was you know on some sort of uh, you know remote control or autopilot or droid pilot. I, I just assumed that they were in there, and then when Cara Dune was able to get that one disintegrator shot through the. Uh, The the right windshield there, I thought it probably took out the driver, or one of the drivers,
7: or the car, probably. Yeah. He called it a mech at one point, which I thought was kind of a a non Star Wars y way of driving
2: it, so. Oh, interesting! I didn't catch. A Mac, that. yeah. No, I've dead been I, we, tonight. We started one line. As, we, as we got through. Uh, we went through the episode a second time here. Started watching it with the subtitles. It's it's actually <laughs> when you're going to do a podcast about it, it's <laughs> a little bit easier because some of those terms you want to make sure that you that you gotcha. get it, like uh, you know the fact that you're on Sorgon or Sorgon right. or whatever. You want right, to. right. Uh, hey, Sean, uh, thanks <laughs> brother for calling. Well, appreciate you so much. it. You're welcome. Thank you. Yes. Um, let's go with uh, how about uh, Josh from Florida? Hello, Josh. Josh from sunny Florida. What's going on, man?
1: Hey, uh, how's it going? What an episode, yeah. huh? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you're not disappointed, are you? Because we're getting a few, getting a few uh, blushes here of people that this wasn't their favorite so far. But
0: uh, I wouldn't I like. qualify. This is my favorite. Well, that's. What- That's just me. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. I mean, it was great. I I thought it was great. I'm not knocking the episode, but I will say from the first half through about midway until they brought out that Scout Walker, it was the most TV feeling episode. The, the first three episodes to me had more of a cinematic flavor to them. And this episode definitely had its cinematic moments, but possibly the slower pace, et cetera, made it feel more like a TV series episode as opposed to part of a future film, mm. like the first three episodes.
2: You know what? I'm with you, you on that. It definitely, this was an episode that felt like part of a TV series. Yes. Uh, John and I were talking earlier about uh, a team and the old, uh, incredible Hulk show where yeah. uh, they, they yeah. show up on a planet and take care of business. um, so yeah i i agree with that i think that this this did feel like an episode of a tv show but it didn't bother me at all no it didn't bother me. so let's uh, let's get back to our caller because yeah. uh
0: with the delay i i fear i'm cutting people off sometimes and i heard him starting to talk there so
1: no, what do you like- got yeah no i had uh two thoughts really the first one is uh does Mandalorian already kind of know about Cara Dune when he sees her? Because he right away mentions her being a shock trooper, but we don't really hear any exposition from her. Thank you for um, bringing this up. And then the second up. thing is, yeah. I, I think it's, oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, no, no. Your second thing. Because we're going to talk about both
1: things. Okay. Yeah. The second thing was just, I think they've done a great job of making you really care about the Mandalorian as a character without having to give you a lot of, uh, you know, talking points about it. I know there's been some people uh, that have already been criticizing the 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 dialogue in the show, but I think they've done a good job of letting him speak sparingly. And this is probably the most we've heard of him uh, in this episode.
0: Yeah, there has yeah. been a, a lot of dialogue definitely going on um, in this episode compared to previous episodes, and that might give him more of a television flavor to me as well. Um, we do get a lot of info from Kara when after they have their brawl that gets unresolved because they're so evenly matched. I want everyone to remember that. They're evenly matched. Um, Because there's a lot of people speculating that at some point in this season, Cara Dune will take on the armor of the Mandalorian to fulfill a mission for him or possibly save their own skins, whatever the case may be. but. I've just I've only heard people speculating that, and um, so I took note of the fact that they seemed very evenly matched, and I thought that may be some foreshadowing to sort of say she can slip into his role and do a competent job completing a mission for him in the advent that she may actually take on his armor and his role.
4: That's a really weird theory. I, I got to be honest with you. I mean that to me sounds like uh those theories back when we were kids and mm-hmm. when Yoda said no there is another and people were like oh it's Boba Fett he's the other. Yeah. I, I don't know that that <laughs> well that seems you like have a to understand I only theory.
0: visit I only visit Star Wars forums on the dark web. So <laughs> I you know I I don't know where I get this stuff I
2: you have to have a special server well, that you use. Or, I don't. Know, I, I, no, I'm glad router. that Josh is, has brought up uh, Gina Carano's uh, character Cara Dune. There's a few things I wanted to talk about, uh, and we were discussing off the air earlier um, as we were watching the episode. So we know we, from some of the publicity materials that she's a former shock trooper, but she also says that she worked for the rebellion. Well, that's where she served with the rebellion
0: as a shock trooper. I'm led to believe.
2: But weren't shock troopers the the, the black storm troopers from Rogue One? Oh, those were death troopers. Those were death
0: troopers. The Shock troopers troopers were the uh, clone troopers with the red accent seen at the end of Revenge of the Sith, the ones who accompany Palpatine when he visits Mustafar to reclaim Anakin. So she wouldn't be old enough to be a shock trooper. No, and we talked about that. On a prior show, she did not serve as an Imperial. She served with the Rebellion. And you hear the Mandalorian say this when he's giving the pep talk to the villagers right before they start training him. They say Kara was a drop trooper for the Rebellion. And then she became a trooper.
4: Yes. Well, yeah, he calls her a drop trooper, but earlier he refers to her in their conversation.
0: Yeah. uh, In a conversation as a shock trooper. Right. And I think maybe that may have been the role she served for the new republic, because she mentions once they've cleaned up all the imperial warlords and other remnants that were causing trouble, she was part of that that force that did that, which I would assume is the shock trooper force. But then um, she said then when that was all cleaned up, politics became the top priority and she found herself uh, dealing with um, politicians and delegations and all of right. that stuff, and she not what she have signed up
2: to do with it. No. No. Right. right, right, well, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna go over here to Wikipedia w- and see what they have to say. And there's a because
0: you know entry. everything on Wikipedia. Wow, well, so no, I sharp. And, yeah, it's authoritative. No, 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 no. No, no. But, I,
2: no, believe me, I've had my differences in the past, but I'm just I'm just gonna. Th- Go here, because there's there's a, this is crowdsourced material, and the Shock Trooper, as it relates to the Rebellion, is a recent entry, and according to them, it's a specialized infantry of the Alliance to Restore the Republic during the Galactic Civil War, and Cara Dune served as a Shock Trooper. So, very small entry over here when it comes to mm-hmm. um, this. Yeah, that's so, because this information is emerging. Exactly. Now, you so the Right. So the point being is that th- th- this is being written as in in real time as we live it. That's the point. So anybody out there going, "Oh, geez, please, how could you not know?" Cara Dune is clearly. So I when, when when I don't actually, it's funny how these episodes come and go, but I, I don't remember uh, Jim us having this conversation about uh, Cara Dune and the shock trooper. Uh, mm-hmm. title but yeah uh, yeah, so yeah we we, yeah. we ruled out at that point that she was a shock trooper in the tradition of the imperial shock trooper this is a different no because the early descriptions of the character
0: said she was a former shock trooper so we initially thought that that's what she was an imperial right and uh yeah we never came, we never came back to the subject matter until now and so that resolves that but uh, she clearly was not former Imperial Army. She's uh, definitely former Rebellion and uh, New Republic. And But now, why is she on the run? There's clearly a price on her head because she is, well, what is if, nervous.
4: What yeah. if she was former Imperial who flipped at the end and uh, – you know the the rebellion, if you guys watch man in the high Castle there season four uh you know there there was this whole thing where the you know the u s military they've been defeated, and the Nazi army reaches out to them and says, "Hey, you join us and we will give you a commission. We will give you a purpose. we will give you a mission, a great life. What if the same thing happened here to former imperials?"
0: Well, well, there's nothing special forces. There's nothing to indicate that that would be the case. As a matter of fact, at Star Wars.com, which is a much more reliable source than Wikipedia. <laughs> it says Cara Dune. Is it really? <laughs> until they they retcon themselves. It says uh, Cara Dune is a veteran of the galactic civil war who fought under the banner of the rebellion. Cara Dune right, is a well, seasoned go. warrior. An intimidating brawler and crack shot Dune has put her days of military discipline behind her and now has reinvented herself as a mercenary. So she's, she is a soldier no for run. hire. She's a soldier for hire. But we don't know why uh, there would be a price on her head. Maybe just the, you know, that just comes with the territory. And she's found her hands getting dirty in way too many different places. And people want her skull on a stick. But well, and uh, she's
4: a mercenary with a heart, though. I mean, she didn't have to stay there and help the Mandalorian. She could have, you know, said, "Hey, this is more than I signed up for. I'm out of here." But uh, you know, she she had a heart for those people. Yeah, and um, she did the right thing.
0: Right, and the Mandalorian does too. And we don't yes. necessarily know why they, you know, considering the uh, roles they play, the careers they have. What gives them that sense of compassion in that way? What is it? I mean, obviously, Kara used to fight for the little guy as a member of the rebellion. She was fighting up against the big bad empire. So, I mean, that just kind of indicates to me that that's the sort of person she is, someone who fights for the little guy. Uh, the Mando, though, on the other side of the coin, he, he's in a, a very complex situation here because I think what he just sees in the child and where he gets his compassion from for that character is the fact that he was also on his own as a child and it was the Mandalorians who saved him. So he's kind of paying it forward, you know, yeah. to keep on good karma. I think um, that's just the type of guy he is. He prioritizes youth. He says even the best car should go to the foundlings his excess bascar when it was melted down for his his armor. So, all
2: right, hey, uh, Josh, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate the uh, call. We're gonna go ahead and grab. What we got? Uh, uh, Tom from Green Bay. Hello, Tom. Welcome to Rebel Force Radio.
6: Thanks, the maker. Thanks, guys. Good to talk
2: to you. <laughs> Good, to talk Good to talk to, to you. To
0: you. <laughs> What's, What's going in on, Green Bay? <laughs>
6: I, you know, I, I just want to first, before we go into anything else, just thank you guys for uh, reigniting my love for Star Wars. I've been a Star Wars fan forever, but over the last four years, uh, it's gotten even deeper, uh, basically because of your guys' analyzation of everything Star Wars. So thank you. Oh,
0: wow, thank man. you. That, that means cool. a lot to hear that. Yeah.
2: yeah. Thank you.
4: No, it's great. Um, so, can we talk about the humor in
5: Mandalorian?
2: I mean... Yes, let's. I think uh, we might have lost Tom. Did
0: we lose him? Are
2: you still what was Tom? funny
0: about this episode? What was funny about this episode?
2: Well, that opening um, scene with the uh, with, with <laughs> Baby Yoda and uh, the Mandalorian, he's touching all the buttons and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Was,
0: that was funny. It seemed natural, though. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah the, you put it.
2: Him trying
4: to eat that frog and the kids being horrified, so he spits it out. That was hilarious.
2: Yeah, that was cute. Well, and and then the moment when Mando and Cara Dune are fighting and, you know, they realize it's kind of equally matched and he's sucking on the soup. He's just watching like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, this is a good show. Yeah, right. He's got the popcorn. (laughs) Hey, Tom, are you back with us? Oh, man, Tom was so enthusiastic and... And we lost him. All um, back, Tom. Um, let's, let's talk to British Columbia. Do we? Yeah, talk? they've been holding forever. Oh, my gosh. Oh, how could we let it go for this long? You're calling all the way from another country. What's wrong with us? What's wrong well, with I got, me? I got to
5: talk with you guys last week, so it's not that big a deal.
2: Oh, all right. Well, all right. Well, we like let's to have the regulars. There. Kind of Hello, our hey whack hey, pack. Jim, of, hey,
5: Jason. Hey, John.
2: Hey. Hey. How you guys doing? How you doing?
5: Good. I, I'm glad I called in early because I it was fascinating getting to hear the pregame warm up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to hear I got to hear I got to hear Swank swear and say pee pee chills.
2: Yeah, we were talking about. yeah, we were talking we all kinds of things. Yeah, pee pee chills and then my anger, my rage over all of the video ads peppering all of these uh ah, technology uh, news sites uh, yeah, Too I'm glad cloudy. you got to get, I'm glad you got to uh, hear that. Very f- precious few people have heard pre-show uh, or pre-game. Yeah, I just, I just called radio. in early and, <laughs> and it was right in there. So that was perfect. Yeah. Awesome. All right, man. What, yeah. Well, what's, uh, I didn't what's get going on as report. far as episode four or chapter four is concerned? Well,
5: Tom just touched on my first thing with uh, Yoda touching the button and then being all defiant and touching it again. That
8: was
5: <laughs> Um, I thought Bryce did a great job. I loved the uh just the ATS coming out. That totally reminded me of Jurassic. So I guess
2: Yes. yes! yeah. 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 That. That's a good thought right there. Yes, the T-Rex coming Jurassic out of Terminator. the Terminator. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Of and the...
2: considering the Bryce
0: Dallas Howard connection to Jurassic. Totally. Yeah, so that that's that's yeah, that's I a good one. I'd even think of that.
4: Neither did I. That's fantastic.
5: Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you got um, another one wait. for
4: us? Uh I'm
5: I'm missing the uh um Yo- baby Yoda's little uh repulsor bassinet. I was
0: thinking I was that too.
5: That would come out of the trash.
0: Yeah, so convenient. Uh, you, you, you need to have what, you know, there was God, I wish I had one of those when my kids were little, let me tell you, you know, and say, you have these things you strap on to yourselves and you know, those, those little baby things that you, you know, you see guys, they have the kids and they're like strapped onto them. What do you call those things? A baby Bjorn. Oh my God. Um, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'll take a little floating pod that just sort of keeps up with me as I'm moving around. (laughs)
4: But he clearly doesn't need it though. He's clearly a fast little dude. Because
0: he shows up not everywhere just at the right crawler. time. Say what, caller?
5: Oh, uh, not as fast as when he was chasing the sand crawler and his little egg.
0: Right, he kept up with him. Yeah.
5: Yeah, it was yeah. nice and fast Convenient. Yeah. Did you guys get my email today? I sent a few photos.
0: Oh, uh, well, I'll take a look. But, um, yeah, I haven't spent much time in the, uh, in the email department. It's still... Suggesting the Thanksgiving meal today, <laughs> which required a lot of sofa just, time lots and bad. lots of sofa time today. but uh, there's uh, just yeah. a couple uh,
5: there's a couple mashups there that uh, you might appreciate.
0: Cool Well we'll look them up. We'll look them up. Cool. I, have a, I have a mashup that I want to share with everyone, and Swank hasn't seen it oh, yet, and nobody's seen it yet, but I am going to uh, send it to Jason right now so everyone can look at what I think oh, is an boy. incredible mashup. Oh, yeah, it's coming. It's happening. You send, um, you're sending
2: this via email? How about
0: I do it that way? Yeah, email I'll send it to you via email, and uh, you can't look at it until you put it on the screen. That's my only rule for you. Well,
2: that's pretty um, hard for me to do actually. Logistically, it's kind of
0: Oh, well then put it on the screen in front of everyone so we okay. all get to see it at the same right. Oh, oh, you are, well, So, okay. okay. So, all no, right. sending now. Message right. sent. Okay. And okay. believe believe me, ladies and gentlemen, this will be worth the payoff. <laughs> um the payoff will be worth it. It'll be worth the wait. Um you'll see. It's it's something that's been kind of on my mind for a while and I had to uh,
2: I don't have it yet. You sent.
0: Oh, here it. Is. Here we go. It right. is. Here it is. And Remember. I sort of had to make this a reality once the visual image popped right. up in my head, the mental image.
2: Oh. There it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you see. Move
2: over sitting, Baby Yoda
0: Sitting in the Baby Yoda pod Oh my in the, goodness <laughs> In the cockpit of the Razor Crest Riding shotgun with the Mandalorian Is Puppet Lando <laughs> oh,
2: oh.
0: These are the things that wake time. me up These are the things that wake me up At 3.30am <laughs>
2: <laughs> You'd be pressing All kinds of buttons yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, hey Jay, thanks for calling again. Uh, in again, appreciate it very much. Uh, take care. Thanks a lot. Let's see who else we. Oh, another Chicago. We can't have another. How about LA? You're up in. uh Who do we got here? Hello, uh, LA, LA, LA. This is Robert, right? Robert from LA. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jimmy, Jason, how's
9: it going, hey, guys? Robert,
2: all
0: good right.
9: man. Thank you for calling. Yeah, no, thanks for the awesome show, guys. You guys are the best. I'll, I'll keep this real quick. Uh it's gonna bring up something about the Mandalorian, something I caught in there, which was kinda interesting is and maybe I'm off here, but uh she uh the woman he was talking to at the village had brought up something about his armor and uh they almost kinda hinted at the fact that you don't have to be Mandalorian to wear the armor. Did you guys catch it catch that also? Yeah, and I think we were addressing that a little bit
0: earlier in the show. Um, oh, you don't damn, have yeah, to be Mandalorian. Wait, stuff, sorry. so wait, what you're saying is you no, don't have okay. to be Mandalorian to wear the armor, but the helmet's a different situation, right? The
9: helmet, you can I mean, you know, kind of what it sounded like is other people had, mm-hmm. you know, she was hinting that, you know, maybe you can steal the armor. I, the first thing I thought it was Boba Fett, you know, obviously, they were mm-hmm. kind of hinting at maybe... You know, but I could be off there. I just I I did pick up what, on that a little bit. was
0: no, I need, I need some clarification here. I, I don't think I'm following
9: you. At, at some point, Okay, let me, uh, <coughs> let me see if I can pull up the episode. Yeah, and at some point, he's talking to her in her uh, room, and she's asking him about if he wants to eat something, and yes. if he ever takes off the helmet, he if that's a real Mandalorian armor. I, I, actually, it may not be her. It may have been the two guys who approached him. Uh, actually in the the beginning when they approached him about, yeah. And they had said, you're a Mandalorian. Right. And you know, you know, or is that just Mandalorian armor? They said something along the lines of that, that I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. I think they said something like like, they're Mandalorians now. They're Mandalorians now. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, you know, you're, you're bringing up something interesting. I didn't pick up on, uh, the first few times I watched this episode was, uh, where they the, the guy said, "Are you Mandalorian? You just dressed as one." Is is
9: that what the, those guys did? Yeah, Say, exactly. him? They got by me. Yeah. Interesting. That's what Interesting. it sounded oh, like, and I okay. was like, I kind of you know raised an eyebrow to that. Well, Jingle, um, yeah, that kind of went by that, me
0: too. Yeah. According to Lucas Cannon, yeah, uh, Fett certainly set a precedent for that by going out and performing the job of a bounty hunter in Mandalorian armor without actually being a Mandalorian himself. That was
9: wondering if they were trying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can debate this all you want, but that was George Lucas's intention yeah. for Django fed. He was not actually a Mandalorian.
9: Yeah. And you know what? That's never bothered me. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. Uh, that that's fine with me. And you know, what? I, I think it'd be kind of cool. He almost, it almost sounded like you guys talked about this in a previous episode about maybe, uh, it's more of like a way of life now. And he was a a kid and the Mandalorians had picked him up and they're just kind of raising him as one, you know, Uh, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, (laughs) It's possible. It's it's a good, it's
2: it's a good question because, you know, as we, as we were talking earlier, we were speculating about maybe this was a way for the Mandalorians to increase their numbers after the purge was to, uh, adopt essentially adopt children into the the cause the tribe um yeah but at the same time uh it seems kind of it it, it seems kind of odd for a, a such a uh, what's the word i'm looking for but the uh, such a such a group of people that are based on and founded on tradition and bloodlines and all of these things, though I guess you could argue that no, they don't have the luxury of all of this in a post-imperial world.
4: Yeah. Well, there, there's a clue in episode three uh, where, you know, he's talking about the, the remnants of the Beskar steel after she forges his armor. He says the rest should go to the foundlings found Things. Right. Right. As right. if right. Uh, yeah. the new exactly. Mandalorians yeah. have been found. Exactly. Like he right. was.
0: Uh right. you know, that's a great point you bring up. Because uh the definition of founding would be someone who is given up to someone else to as as caretakers, like when people leave babies at the fire department or the uh, yes. hospital or uh or pushing Moses down <laughs> the river You know,
2: things like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, Yeah. right.
0: I mean, it's, you know, foundling. And so um, that seems to be part of their culture. It almost seemed like that bunker that they stashed him in when he was a little kid was something constructed out of Mandalorian design. And they put him in there specifically because they knew exactly who was going to come and retrieve him. Was this underground race of warriors. It was a thing that they did.
9: we still haven't seen we still haven't seen who saved him, you know, cause all last we saw is the door opened and, and the big, you know, droid was standing there ready to blast him. So someone clearly came in. Yes. Someone. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah that's, that.
9: that's uh, a key, other than that. Hey, I, 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 yeah, I, I thought it was a good episode. It, it seemed a little filler. I know you, you know, someone had said this earlier, it seemed a little filler ass, but you know what it, it's like to me, it feels like right in the middle of the season of like a rebel season. And there's going to be some episodes that aren't, you know, going to do everything for everybody, I but I thought episode, it was really cool. I think fun. this
2: episode was extremely necessary because this is the yeah. moment, as I said, when he's going to realize that it's going to be a lot more difficult than he ever dreamed to mm. stash this little guy away or to even find a place where the two of them can can hunker down. There's people. Right. There, there are, there are bounty yeah. hunters hot on their trail. This is I think this is a big turning point in the show actually. I, I and plus disagree. Cara Dune was introduced in this episode. Right. So yes. I, I yeah,
0: you finally, can't yeah. you can't qualify it as filler just on that accomplishment in itself and you know this is not the last time we're going to see Cara Dune. She's coming back. Oh, definitely, I mean she said yeah. to him yeah. until our paths cross again that would never be in the script unless the uh the creators intend for them to reunite, and you know what's going to happen.
4: Yeah. Well, this was an important yeah, yeah, character exactly. building episode too. I mean, we saw so much character revealed in The Mandalorian through this episode. It gives us, you know, a window into some of his motivation and uh, you know who he is as a person, which is really important. And you know, when you're yeah. when you're structuring a show, when you're structuring a movie. Uh, you know, you've got to have these you know, roller coaster moments, these ups and these downs for the audience to just catch their breath. And this was a catch your breath episode where you got more in-depth
0: character and understanding of who the Mandalorian is. Yeah, with an eight episode season, I don't think filler is going to be on anyone's uh I mean, it shouldn't be on anyone's tongues, though, that word. Uh, there's no room for filler, you know? Yeah. I mean, a 24-episode tw- yeah, season, agree, yes, yeah. you will get your filler. But in an eight-episode yeah. season, everything that we are seeing on screen has to be essential to the overall
2: story and character development. Hey, Robert, thanks yeah, a lot, man. Uh, season. Oh, sorry, we lost Robert. Sorry, Robert. He gone. Um, but we want to get to... Uh, uh, here we go. We got someone else from Canada. That I think they want to talk about the music of the Mandalorian. That would be nice. Hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello, Canada. Oh, Canada. This is the way. This is the way. Is it true? This is to the, the way. Talk about music.
0: Let's talk about how Jason almost yeah, wanted to sing um, the uh, the um, the national anthem to Canada in the melody of "Oh Christmas Tree," Oh Tannenbaum. <laughs> I heard that Jason. You're not going to oh, slide that one by. All us. right, all right, all right. Replay, well, rewind, it was called, take. It is called "Oh Canada." Cycle. Oh Canada, Oh Canada, you are just north of America.
2: <laughs> all right, all right. Just having fun. <laughs> just having fun. <laughs> just having fun. All right, what do you got on your mind, Canada? Well, guys, I just
10: want to say first of all, I'm really enjoying the live uh episodes here. Thank you. Uh it's very reminiscent of uh, the previous show. Um some of those live shows that you guys did back then. It's a lot of fun.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. And John, for, uh, I, listening I like the for hat. so long.
10: Very uh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank uh, you.
4: It's just something I had laying around the house.
10: Yeah. Yeah, so um I I was thinking that uh, nobody's really talked about the, uh, the correlation between the Sergio Le- Leone um, yes. movies uh, and the Mandalorian. I mean, like there's so many parallels. Right. And it's we specifically were talking about the that music. Before the I show, thought, Jason.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
10: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I love those movies. And, uh, I just thought specifically with the music, it's such a, an important part of those movies and how it's, uh, it's very prevalent in, in the Mandalorian as well. Like yeah. the the guy who does the music for, for the show, uh, Luke Gorenson, I think it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he's definitely done his research cause it's, uh, yeah, I, I think there are specific themes that you can see or hear rather that, um, you know, like are are very uh, reminiscent of those types of movies.
0: Absolutely. Even down to the delivery of the dialogue by the Mandalorian, he's clearly doing a Clint Eastwood impersonation. Well, even more than that, Jimmy, if you yeah. watch the way he walks, yeah. uh, he,
4: he has the John Wayne walk. Right. With that one arm cocked out to kind of the side of that. Little off kilter sw- swagger.
0: Good call. Good call. Rooster yeah. Cogburn on yep. display, and uh, and and yeah, of course uh, the 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 spaghetti westerns from Italy that Clint Eastwood starred in. Um, there are just so many obvious connections and influences on display in the Mandalorian. Um, just down to the simple tone, but like yeah, music performance. It's about everything. It's it's really great bringing the Western back to Star Wars. Something that uh, I am very grateful to see return. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm, well, I'm I've noticing, noticed something you know, with the. Yeah, go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've
10: noticed something with just specifically with the music, like with the the main theme, for instance. Like I I could go on forever about all the different themes that are uh, in the, in the show so far. Like I think uh, I read an article in Variety that. Uh the composer did over four hours of music for the show.
8: Mm-hmm.
10: Um so there's lots of music, right? And uh uh like just with the main theme, they have like the the at the very start, it's um it's a bass recorder, so like you know, the recorder you play at school, but like a mm-hmm. bigger version of that. And it's very reminiscent to uh, like the pan flutes that um uh-huh uh, was used in those other movies, you know, like the Sergio Le- Leone movies. Uh, but on top of that, they use like a more modern, uh, scene. So like they have in human moments, the Mandalorian has, there are like just that, that, uh, bass recorder plays the kind of stuff. Right. And then whenever he's like mobilized and he's moving and, and, you know, a little bit more action, uh that's when they kick in with the uh, the thumping you know there's like almost like a heartbeat to the rhythm um which is very similar to the good bad and the ugly
8: mm-hmm. and
10: then uh you have um like the the more modern stuff that comes in uh with like the electric guitar and the synthesizer Synth, like, yeah. uh the the full orchestra comes in apparently they had uh like a actual orchestra for this it's not oh. it's not uh in box as they say.
8: Wow, that's interesting. And, um, I did not know that. Yeah.
10: Yeah, in the article that Variety has, they actually talk about some of the performers uh on the Mandalorian at the same time were um uh recording some stuff um for episode 9. Like no uh, some of the same musicians. Yeah. Um but you know, so they have like these layers, which I thought was kind of cool because if you think about it, there's the human inside—we can assume he's human, a human. You know, the human moments he has. Um, it's the folksy kind of tribal sounds, um, like um, the Mandalorian culture. You know, is very tribal. But then on top of that, they have the, uh, you know, like the all the more modern sounds, like and metallic and you know, almost like heavy metal, which is like the armor that he's yeah. on. You know. Um, and, uh, so, and, and the, then like the Mandalorians themselves have their own theme, which is using, um, heavy metal, you know, like those, those Sergio Leone movies have a lot of guitar as well. Which is, Absolutely. Like, yes. It's not very star Warsy. You don't see it a lot or hear it a lot in this, in John Williams scores, but you do get it, um, in this, which is much more reminiscent of those movies, which is why I was pointing it out. It, very which, true. You know, I love it's. It's very Western, you know, but it's it's a more modern take, like sci-fi, as well. So it really does. I think the music itself balances itself um, well with what we're seeing on screen as well.
0: Yeah, that is some great analysis. Thank you for bringing some Star Wars oxygen to the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely, I greatly appreciate that. And you know, Jason and I were
4: talking about yeah, this before the episode. Um, at first, I was critical of the, the music because we didn't have that sweeping mm. Star Wars soundtrack. Right. But as the show has progressed, the music has really uh, grown on me because it really fits the, the feel and the aesthetic, and it's really creating the correct atmosphere. But the composer is still pulling in other influences. Uh, there was one scene towards the end where it had a very definite Indiana Jones, uh, Marion Ravenwood theme feeling to it when they're uh, on the wagon. And, um, you know, when they pan into the village after the battle, it's been a couple of weeks, you know, it had this very Mark Knoppler, you know, Willow, Princess Bride feeling to it. And uh, I just love how the composer is doing what, kind of Favreau and Filoni are doing, but doing it through a musical genre, you know, taking these references from other other places and fitting them in in a seamless and natural way to the Star Wars universe.
0: Good stuff, guys. Um, and 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 it isn't pigeonholing itself into one particular brand or genre of music. It is really spreading its wings. You get the <laughs> atmospheric stuff. You get the stuff that reminds you of uh, Morricone and the old spaghetti westerns. And then you Absolutely. get stuff that's a little more driving, a little more techno, a little more synth-driven, pulsating. Like the fight sequence. Inside the Clatuanian village, when they were in that area where they had those um, those big tubs of water of some sort of liquid, and they get into a fight sequence there, that's more of like a
3: do 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 do
0: you know, kind of a driving action vibe going on there. But other times it's, it's very atmospheric, and you'll hear those those flutes, those uh, pan flutes, and um, and uh, just more of a, a spaghetti western feel to it. But it doesn't just stay right in that pocket. It, it does expand and go in many different directions. I'm very, very impressed.
2: All right, we could go all night. Yes, we could. Well, we got to wrap it up here. Uh, Rebel Force Radio Mandalorian After Show. Thank you all so much for calling in, listening, and being a part of this incredible chapter of the star wars saga we're uh i'm just blown away there are moments you know uh, sitting here with a an old pal of mine like this tonight and being able to i I just reached over to him we were watching the the episode and just said can you believe that we're sitting here watching a live action star wars series i mean it's just i still have to pinch myself at times and uh it's just incredible. And to be Don't able to Don't you guys it all go back to
0: uh, childhood, and you guys used to hang out playing Star Wars video games when you were kids and stuff? Yes, we did. Yeah, you know, you were talking a couple of
4: episodes about that uh, Super NES Star Wars game. Yes. That Jason and I played for like 12 hours and oh couldn't get God. past that sand crawler. <laughs> Ooh. That was impossible. Has anyone ever actually beat that game?
0: I did. I have. I have. I, I don't believe have. you. I most it's certainly impossible. did. It's
4: impossible. You couldn't
0: I even see it. Beat that game. I beat that game. I most certainly did. Yes, indeed.
2: Oh man! Well, and what a what a thrill! And hey, by the way, let's put your uh, Nicholas has been a great sport. John's son Nicholas has been here. Uh, he needs to get on. Hey, wave to the people here, Nicholas. Say hello. Hey. Hey. And he—he's yeah. he, proof that you can pass on to the next generation uh, your love of all things comic books and movies and Star Wars. And Absolutely, that. that's it's the truth. It's great. He's but, my uh, pop culture buddy. Uh, yeah, uh, it's awesome, dude. That is awesome. Uh, John, thanks for being here as always. Um, awesome, awesome time. Thanks for having me. Out very much and. You know, real life sets in and all that, but it was great to have you here. It was a great surprise. Uh, Of course, uh, Jimmy Mack, always good to have you. Do you have any final thoughts for us on Mandalorian uh, Chapter 4?
0: Well, you know, I think we really uh, covered the gamut here in this conversation. I don't think there's too much left on the table. I did want to point out we uh, saw the return of the Kubaz, the uh, Gorindan. Uh, once again, he was the assassin that was uh, trying What's to take that out the, the-
2: Garin. Okay, yes, I thought it was. It, yeah, yeah, all right.
0: Thought it yeah, might. He had, he had some sort of breathing apparatus tube up his tube, and uh, it was uh, interesting to see that character then make a return appearance, a second appearance in uh, the Mandalorian after not seeing. Any representation from that alien species outside of the original Star Wars from '77. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we don't ever see those guys appear again anywhere in Star Wars. And and to me, always rats. The whole family, rats. (laughs) 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 To this day, it still looks like. an alien costume that was kind of slapped together at the last minute, <laughs> but it yeah. does have, I mean, I, it appeals to me still greatly uh, just because it's such classic star Wars. <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was cool to see him back. I, I definitely think we'll be seeing the return of Cara Dune. I uh, definitely uh, love Baby Yoda even more after this episode, especially after seeing that little guy interact with other kids. Oh, that was great. And yeah. uh, Carry on the way he did. Uh, you, you just... Uh, what a great little character. What a great little guy. What a great show. I mean, I'm, I'm really enjoying everything I'm seeing from The Mandalorian thus far, and have, my complaints are very few, if even existing at all. I, I just can't wait till next week. Jason, what are we supposed to expect on the show next week? Well,
2: according to uh, some very brief descriptions of episodes, next week we're looking at Chapter 5. Now here's an episode that's written and directed by Dave Filoni. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Interesting. All right, so the Mandalorian helps a rookie bounty hunter who is in over his head. So we got a young bounty hunter... And
0: uh, <laughs> is no it anyone head. we
2: know? Oh, well, one other little Easter egg I wanted to point out is um,
0: the uh, the widow uh, who is a good uh, good with a blaster <laughs> of the village. Her name was uh, or- Amara. Or- Amara. Right. Um, did you notice she was using Bosk's rifle, the same type of rifle that Bosk had really? in Empire Strikes Ooh. Back. Yes. She was using the exact same rifle. So, you know, when you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, you get real excited over little props like that. And uh, I know you uh, are a hardcore Star Wars fan. I know Pike is a hardcore Star Wars fan. I know everyone listening to the show is a hardcore Star Wars fan. So take a closer look at that blaster. That was some pretty good stuff. Um, Any other stones left to unturn? uh, I'll probably think of them as soon as we sign off. But final thoughts on this show. was uh, It was great. Let's see more.
2: I agree. I agree. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Uh, Make sure you're following us on social media. If you uh, have us in your uh, Instagram or Twitter or uh, Facebook feeds, you'll know when we're going to be doing uh, these shows. Also, please subscribe to us over on YouTube. Uh, You can do that and uh, hit that notification bell. That way, when we go live, you'll be one of the first to know. And uh, we're doing all of these post-show wrap-ups of the Mandalorian series live with your phone calls. So uh, please make sure you're following us on all of those channels. Uh, Until then, uh, please make sure you subscribe to the Rebel Force Radio podcast. You can hear us each and every week breaking down not just the Mandalorian, but all things and everything Star Wars. The website is rebelforceradio.com. Uh, Until next time, we'll see you. Love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. I'm Pika. And remember,
0: the Force will be with you always.
1: Here's a, little ba- here's a little baby zebra, kind of adorable. That is adorable. Yeah. I have to admit, I've never uh, seen a zebra this close before. A what zebra. a gorgeous, gorgeous creature. Yeah, it's a shame I'm going to eat it later. <laughs> Weird.
4: <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I just had to throw that in.
2: I saw that. God. I saw I'm that. I'm going to eat
6: it
1: later. <laughs> Here's a little, ba- here's a little baby zebra, kind of adorable. That huh? is adorable. Yeah. I have to admit, I've never uh, seen a zebra this close before. What, what a gorgeous, gorgeous creature! Yeah, it's a shame I'm going to eat it later. <laughs>